Welcome to Christ Rehoboth Church, a place where we help people discover their purpose for living and raise kingdom people for global impact. Join us today as Reverend Kingsley Agu takes you deep into God's Word. You see, there comes a time in every church where the Spirit of God interferes the course or direction of how things are going and redirect man to refocus on what is lacking in a local assembly. And so, as a result, a couple of weeks ago, we have this same interference to focus on our marriages in this house. Because it is God's mind that every marriage walk in the fulfillment of his word. That in every Christian home, there should be a home that always walk to the fulfilling of God's word. That is God's mind. For marriage, that we please the Lord, praise God, that we please the Lord. So I want to start again, Second Corinthians chapter 5, and permit me today, remember I took two Sundays to address the wife in marriage, and I said that the woman is the wife in marriage, whether or not you are more intelligent whether or not you are more influential, whether or not you are richer than the man, you are still the wife in marriage. Are we together? So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and so today I will be addressing our men. I, I, I so much wish the men would not scratch their beards and just shout glory as well. Because... Two Sundays ago, and even up to last night, some person still called me and said, Ah, Pastor, we thank you for giving us the word. And some others said, We don't care now, even if you flog us, we are satisfied at the two couple Sundays you dealt with our wives. <laughs> Praise God. All right, we are going to start an introduction to the men in marriage today wisdom for living. Wisdom for living. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yet though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So the man in Christ is of a new personality, is of a new nature, is in a new family, a family that is different from the family, the traditional family that you will find in this world. A family that is different, is now a part and parcel of the family of God. The Bible says you are of the household of God. So you are of a new race. That believer in Christ is of a new race. Not the race that you, 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 you find or you have found or you are accustomed to in this world. He said you are a new creature, kinostixis. That means you are of a new breed. 
You are of a new breed. There is now something inside of you that is different from what is inside of the ordinary man. Am I communicating here? So these rays have a distinct culture and behavior and character. These rays have a distinct culture, behavior, and character. You have been born into a family, a family that have its own ways, its own way of operations, its own way of response, its own ways of reacting to things. You are of a new breed, praise God. You are of a new breed. You have a new nature. In fact, Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. Praise God. We'll read 26 and 27. <clears throat> a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stoning heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgment and do them. You see, God speaking to Ezekiel, saying of the new believer, of the new creation, he's speaking of a person who has come to salvation, believing in Jesus, and he said, I will put my spirit within you. In other words, I will give you my nature. I will give you my nature. I will put my spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you. So the believer in Christ now has the nature of God. I give you my spirit. And so there is a resultant effect of having the spirit of God. Are we together here? Hear what he says in Ezekiel. He said, when I put my spirit within you, I will cause you to walk in my statue and in my judgment. So the spirit of God within you makes you to walk in the statue of God. In his written word. It makes you to be obedient to God's word. Praise God. So I give you my spirit, my nature. You have the nature of God. You have the totality of God. God didn't give to the man in Christ some part of him. He gave to you the totality of himself. Am I communicating here? So you carry the fullness of God. So Paul began to give us an insight into the resultant effect of having the spirit. Please, I need you to follow me carefully because there is a spirit within and there is a spirit upon. The spirit upon enables you to do the work of ministry. The spirit, if you remember, in the Old Testament, what they had was the spirit upon. He makes use of them and it departs. But in this now, we have the spirit within. Glory to God. We have the spirit within. So we have come to become one with the father. So there is a resultant effect of having the spirit of God within you. 
There is a resultant effect. That is why the moment you become a believer in Christ and you have within you the spirit of God, things ought to change. Things ought to change. But let me remind you something. If things change in your life, and if things have not changed in your life, it shows you have not allowed the spirit of God to carry out his function. And if you still continue to do the things that you used to do before, it shows that you have allowed the flesh to superimpose into your mind the operations you find yourself in. So we have the spirit of God. Say, we have the spirit of God. And so there is a resultant effect of having that spirit of God. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We'll read verse 22 very quickly. <clears throat> Praise God. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Praise God. So, this is the resultant effect. It's different from gift. Gift is something that you have just given freely. But this is the resultant effect of having the spirit of God within you. Because there is a lifestyle of that spirit of God. And that lifestyle emanates into your mind if you allow him. Are we together? Follow me. The word fruit there is the Greek word kapos. It means an effect or a result. So the effect or the result of having the spirit within us is that we love. We are in peace and all of those things that is named. Are we together? Are we together? This shows that we are not walking in the flesh. We are not giving to the beatings and the desires of the flesh. It is very possible a believer has the spirit of God and yet give in to the beatings of the flesh. Follow me carefully. Praise God. Then look at verse 23. Um, um, it says, meekness, temperance, temperance, temperance. Against such there is no law. Then in verse 24, he says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affection and lust. We have crucified the flesh with the affection and lust. Why? Because we now belong to Christ. Why? Because the spirit of Christ is now within us, the believer. So we crucified the flesh, the affection and the flesh. Glory to God. So what flesh is he talking about? He's talking about the old man which includes the affection and the lust. Are we communicating here? Men, you've got to follow me carefully. Glory to God. Women, you've got to follow me carefully. I know I said I'm going to be addressing men today and you will only think we are receiving this for our men. Learn. 
Praise God. I said, praise God. So, it says the flesh, the affection and lust of the flesh. Look at verse 19 quickly. Verse 19. He said, but if ye be led of the spirit. Oh, sorry, verse 19. Now, the walks, the walks, the walks, the operations of the flesh are manifest. So, you do not need a soothsayer. To tell you you are living in the flesh. Because the works of the flesh are always manifest. Am I communicating here? You do not need a soothsayer to tell you whether you are walking in the spirit. Because the fruit of the spirit are also manifest. So he says the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery. Fornication. The word pornea. Which is... Ha, sleeping illicitly with someone you are not married to. Again, it can also mean worship of other idols. But in this context, we stay within this context. Praise God. It says uncleanness. The word uncleanness there is the word impure motives. Having a motive that is not pure. Having a wrong motive. Praise God. You'll find the same word in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. He said, For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of cleanness, of uncleanness, nor in guile. So our conversation was not of an impure motive. Am I communicating here? So go back to Galatians chapter 5. Praise God. And then he says, lasciviousness. 20. He says, idolatry. The worship of other, of idols and all of that. And then interestingly, he now uses the word witchcraft. Witchcraft. And sometimes people think witchcraft is, is flying at midnight. That's how people have been thinking. It's having feathers to fly at midnight. Some fly in brooms. I'm not saying that is not. But the word witchcraft there, he uses the Greek word pharmakia. Which you can also coin out pharmacy from. Pharmacist. But in this case, he's not talking about pharmacy. He's talking about pharmakia in the case of sorcery. Using magical means. And then he's talking about deception and seduction in idolatry. Praise God. We see the same word in Revelation chapter 9 verse 21. Write that down. Revelation 18 verse 23. And then he uses the word next there. Uh, verse 20. Hatred. Hatred. Please, I need you to underline some of this word because I'm just picking some of them. Hatred is the word hostility. Hostility. And then he moved on to use the word variance. The word variance there is the word heris, E-R-I-S. A quarrel that involves a, in a long and complicated argument or dispute. That means a quarrel that have lasted more than one day. Variance. And in many homes, you have 
people just quarreling and quarreling and quarreling and quarreling that it goes into months. Praise God. You see that same word in Romans chapter 1 verse 29. Romans 13 verse 13. And 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 4. Then he uses the word strife. Still in verse 20. So he says, emulations, wrath, strife, eretia, which is a desire to put oneself forward. And this is one dangerous thing to do when you are in marriage, to always put yourself forward. That is why you notice in some homes, I don't know what part of the, the country you came from in, in Nigeria, but there were some family, or there are some family in those days, they are driving a very beautiful car. The man, the husband. And the wife is jumping from one bus to another. The wife will go to market and be carrying all of these things, jumping from one bus to another. And then the man, after driving his beautiful car and get home, he sit down, cross his leg on the table and ask, where's my food? That man has put himself forward other than any other person. Mm. Praise God. Man, are you following me? And then he uses the word sedition, which is division. So all of these are the affection and lust of the flesh that we have crucified. Whether it is hatred. Whether it is it is um, uh, 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 all of these things named that we have just read from verses 19 to 21. They are the works of the flesh, the affection of the flesh that we have crucified. And we must never give in to those desires again. Why? We have crucified it. And beloved, it is very, very possible for us to live a life. That is not subjected to the desires of the flesh. Because we have an enablement within us. And that is the spirit within. Am I communicating here? Look at verse 26 very quickly. Verse 26. He says, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. We should not be desirous of vainglory, you know, you know, provoking one another and envying one another. So the believer, we shouldn't engage in this. Talk less of those who are in marriage. We should not be engaged in provoking one another and envying one another. I was watching a skit the other day. <laughs> it was just a skit anyway. A woman was standing outside. He said, ah, ah. For a week now, me and my husband have not argued. He said, it's like I'm losing the skill of argument. Wow. <laughs> Some women know how to get under the skins of their husband. It's wrong. So he called the husband out. For a good 10 minutes, she was arguing. And the man was confused. Praise God. Look at again, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. 
I'm laying a building block here, so follow me. It says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That is the instruction given to a believer. And a believer must carry the instructions of the word and fulfill that instruction. That is, in our marriage, we should esteem each other with humility. In our marriage, even when this is addressing the church, the Christians in marriage are not out of the church. They are part and parcel of God's family. So, even in your marriage, don't make the mistake of seeing it as a mere mortal thing. Christians. Praise God. I said praise God. So, we esteem each other with humility. Praise God. Now, <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. I have said all of these things to get into this matter. Don't forget, you have the Spirit of God within you. And there is an evidence a result of having that fruit. Praise God. Praise God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 19. <clears throat> Are you there? He says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Be not bitter against them. God's instruction for humanity in Christ. God's instruction for believers that are in marriage to the husband. He said you must love your wife and not be bitter against your wife. You must not be harsh. The word there is to be harsh. You must not be harsh against your wife. Some, some husbands are very harsh. Your words are harsh. The way you look at your wife, very harsh. The way you move, very harsh. You come to the house, everybody's entering, running and scatter. Even the way you touch your wife is very harsh. You are in the public, oh honey, harsh. <laughs> Praise God. And the instruction is, husband must not be harsh towards their wife. That is the first thing we are reading today for you men. Amen. You must not be harsh. Didn't I tell you not to do that? You must not be harsh. You must, you must love. There is a reason you were given the instruction to love. And you must not be harsh towards your wife. Praise God. Men, are you still following me? So, when a husband is harsh towards the wife, what work is that? It's a work of the flesh. It shows you are not giving in to the spirit. But you've got the spirit. Bitterness is, 
is, is a part of the affection and the lust of the flesh. Praise God. You are so harsh that you have gone beyond using your mouth. You now use the ministry of hands. You cannot be bitter to your wife. Men, say to the other men, you cannot be bitter to your wife. If that man is not saying it, shake that man very well. <laughs> Look at Ephesians 25. I mean, chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 25. Praise God. This is a concept. If every man understands this concept, if every man understands this concept, look at what it says. Verse 25. Husbands, that is men in marriage, love your wives. How? Even as Christ Love the church and gave himself for it. So Paul is now instructing husbands to love their wife just like Christ loved the church. How did Christ show his love for the church? He gave himself for it. Look at verse 26 to 30. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Underline that. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So this gives a responsibility to men to act like Jesus in their marriage. It gives a responsibility to men to act as Jesus in their marriage. So, the husband must love the wife as Christ loves the church. And he gave himself for it. What is the church? The church is the body of Christ. What is the wife? Come on. What is the body of Christ? What is the body of the man? Okay, I, I hope you are following me now. Praise God. Look at what he says there. He says, no one hated himself. For if you hate your wife, if you are hostile against your wife, you are hostile against yourself. So we said how Jesus loved the church was that he gave himself to the church. So the husband must give himself to the wife. Are you following me? 
Jesus laid down his life for us. That is the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus is demonstrated in action and not in mere words. Not in mere words. I know some of you can be very poetic. You know, from the day I saw you, you are the only Pomoi Magbanosuk. You are the only meat in my burger. You are the sugar in my tea. Jesus didn't give poem. He showed it in action. There are some men with sweet talk, they are killing their wives. Am I communicating here? Ah, you know the way I love you, honey. And yet, you are killing the woman. And the Bible says, men must love as Christ loved the church. We are not done yet. So, he demonstrated his love by giving himself to us. How, the question becomes now, how did Jesus give himself to us? With this question, we are going to have several services to answer. Number one, forgiveness. Number one, I can't hear the men. Uh, you people were shouting two Sundays ago. Preach on pastor. It's like the thing is even getting to the women too. <laughs> Praise God. The first thing is forgiveness. How Christ expressed his love and how he gave himself to us and for us was forgiveness. In that why we were yet sinners, we were not well behaved. We were not righteous. We, we didn't have the nature. We, didn't, we were not what Christ wanted us to be. <laughs> you see, we were not what God wanted us to be. What solution did Christ put? He didn't come down to beat us. Some of you men that have become a weather in your homes. If I hear, if I hear, he didn't, Christ, God didn't say, let's go and destroy all of them. The Bible said, why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, he, he expressed that first. He forgave us our sins and our trespasses. So, it is below the office of a man as a husband. Hear me clearly. It is below the office of a man as a husband to hold a grudge against your wife. It's below your office. It is below your office as a man to have hearts in your home. Because whenever there is a dispute in the home, the man should be the first to show love. And now women that knows how to provoke their husband, be careful. What did I say? Be careful. Don't say, Pastor, I preached today. Let me test this if it's working. If I hear. Praise God. You, no, you, you are to walk in love. 
provoking your husband is a work of the flesh. It shows you are, you are celebrating the flesh over the spirit. Yeah. Am I still communicating? And I hope, men, you will call me today and say, thank you for that word. We want to hear more. Because you will hear more. Hmm. Praise God. So it is a responsibility given to you as a man to love your wife with forgiveness. Look at um, Ephesians 5. 1 and 2. He says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also had loved us and had given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. So you must show forgiveness in your conduct and in your words as a husband. Praise God. I said, praise God. You must show forgiveness. Knowing that it is your responsibility to love as Christ loved the church. You must know that your responsibility is to love with forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is not, only I know you did wrong. I know you were very wrong. I forgive you. That is the human standard of forgiveness. Did you hear what I said? The biblical standard of forgiveness, or forgiveness according to the word of God, is when you take the wrong of the other person and make it your own wrong. Where you assume every wrong your wife did and you make it your own. Just this concept will go a long way saving a lot of marriages. Just this one. Don't forget, the instruction to you men is that you love your wife as Christ loved the church. Now, how did Christ love the church? He says he gave himself. Are we together? But in the giving of himself, you will agree with me that Christ took upon himself our wrong. Are we together here? Christ took upon himself our wrong. So forgiveness is after taking the wrong of your wife, you forgive her and you assume she didn't do what she did. This one is, uh, <laughs> people are looking at me, what? What is pastor saying? It's going on in your mind now. Take it off your mind and listen to the instruction here. It means you no longer see her as the person who did that wrong. That is complete forgiveness. The biblical forgiveness. That is what Jesus did on your behalf, on our behalf, on my behalf. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Are you following me so far? 
verse 21. He, for he hath made him to be seen for us who knew no sin. A man that knew no sin was made to be seen. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Christ assumed our sin and became our sin and gave us his life. So when we say as Christ loved the church, it's not just merely saying it. We must understand the rudiment of the things Christ did to present the church holy unto himself. So man, yes, your wife did the wrong, but you assume that wrong and you forgive her anyway. Am I communicating here, church? Men, am I communicating? Yes. Women, am I speaking your mind? I'm speaking the scriptures. Praise God. <laughs> Look at Isaiah 53 here. Isaiah 53. Verse 4 and 5. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. What did he do? He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. And yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. This is the love of Christ. This is what Christ did. A word given to Isaiah as touching what Christ would do to save the world to himself. So when the Bible says we must love our wife as Christ loved the church, it means in our home, we will, ask, we will take on that responsibility of what Christ did. Keep looking at me. <laughs> so, if we must murder Christ in our marriages, we must do what Christ did. Say to the men, you must do what Christ did. He assumed our sin. He assumed our failure. So, husband, you must train yourself to forgiveness. Yes, oh pastor, this thing is not, it's not easy. Train yourself. Give yourself to God's word. See what Christ did. Do you know that if Christ looked upon your sin, if he just looked at it and didn't look at his nature, <laughs> it will still die, sure, but. <laughs> so you don't, you don't look at the wrong of your wife. That is the work of the flesh. You must train yourself in a sacrificial life. This is how to be a husband in Christ. Glory to God. You don't tell her, this is the second time you are doing it. The third time, you will not like what I will do to you. <laughs> so what do you do? You take her out of the wrong and you forgive her. Somebody say to me, after me, take my, your wife out of the wrong and forgive her. Distinguish it. Distinguish it. The wrong and your wife, they are not the same. Before me and my wife got married, we reached an agreement. We are not saying situations will not arise. But that agreement we made 
before we step in was. It is me and her against that situation. It is not that situation and her against me or me and that situation against her. So when any situation arises, me and her join forces and we fight that situation. Am I communicating here? So don't forget, you have to present her to yourself without spot or wrinkle. That means every time you look at your wife, she must be spotless and stainless. I'm not talking about makeup. <laughs> I'm not talking about trying to give her a very nice cloth of wear. <laughs> Praise God. It means in your eyes, she has never done any wrong. And this is not a yastic to you women to do wrong. Am I communicating? Women, I would admonish that you go back to Kingsley Ago Ministry and watch the two series, uh, the two sermons on um, wisdom for living, addressing the wives. Amen? So, you must see her as someone who has never done any wrong. Otherwise, you are not acting like Christ. You are betraying yourself. Because the church is the body of Christ. In this context, the wife is the body of the man. Forget about all those things. They say, oh, the wife is the neck. The wife will turn the man to any direction. Forget. Those are worldly, earthly definitions. That's not what is written in the Bible. Praise God. And don't forget, he has not mentioned children here. So, in subsequent time, the wife collected, the, women, the husband collected. We will soon enter the children. Our children ought to be. So every parent here, yeah, you must make sure that your child is in church. It's wisdom for living. I say it's wisdom for living. So if you still see wrong in her, it means you are not acting like Christ. You are betraying yourself. Because this Christ-like life is that wish, that love, is that wish does not record wrong, past wrongs. It does not record past events. It is not within the responsibility of the husband to record past events. What has happened has happened. Let it go and continue to love as Christ loved the church and presented the church to himself. So don't ever recall the past event. Christ didn't do it. He has not done it. He will never do it. You know what the Bible said about Christ? Look at Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17. He says, their sins and their iniquities I will not remember. He says, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. So Christ does not bear records of past events or as a man who has Christ in them in their Christian home, you do not for any reason record past event. Because Christ didn't do it. Past event will corrupt your mind. So that is the Christ love. That is the Christ love. Number two thing, how did Christ give himself? How did Christ give himself? Number two thing, 
what a man must do. A man or a husband must be tolerant when loving. You know, the Bible said that every man should deal with their wife with knowledge. I will expand on that. It's not the knowledge of the Son of God. I, I wanted it to be clear. But next week, I will expand on it. <laughs> Praise God. So, the husband must be tolerant. You must learn to tolerate. You must learn to... How many of you know that Jesus still tolerates us? Jesus has been tolerating us and he's still tolerating us. Even now, he's still tolerating. So, as Christ loved the church, you must tolerate your wife. You must tolerate your wife. Praise God. You must. Okay, let me show you this. There is something that I've built within myself to turn situations that will get me angry into jokes. So that it will not hold in my heart against my wife. And she also knows how to turn things into jokes. You must learn to tolerate. There is an adage in, in, in my country. You don't scratch your body how it scratches you. If not, blood everywhere. Learn to tolerate your wife. There are ways you can make them very powerless. A woman can be so daring. But there are things you will do and do and do, that we not feed that ego anymore. She herself will get tired of it. But if you place it on round one, fight. That is what you will get from it too. First John, chapter 2, verse 2. Are you following me, church? And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for us only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So Jesus makes room for our mistakes. He makes room for our mistakes. That means, at this time in our homes, there should be no room, there should be no form of bitterness in your home. And you must have zero tolerance for bitterness. Guess what? When there is bitterness in your home, it creates room for confusion and every evil work when there is bitterness. As a husband, you cannot be keeping malice. That's a work of the flesh. Listen, for those of you who are not married yet, ladies, look at me. Young ladies, you are not married. Look at me. Any man that you study, that you see, they keep malice. As your pastor, I tell you, don't marry them. Did you hear me? Don't marry them. I give you that instruction. Wrong with it. Because this is something Christ does not do. 
Lastly here, to the man and to the woman, do not allow familiarity to prevent you in your love walk with your husband or with your wife. Husbands, we are just starting. You must love. You must train yourself. If there is an anger issue, train it. All those files you have about the wrongdoing. Something happened today. You are remembering what, what she did last two months. That is not Christ-like behavior. Rise on your feet. I want you to spend some time to pray for yourself. Spend some time to pray for yourself. You know, sometimes, because we don't know any better, we do some kind of things. But here we are giving an instruction. Women, pray for yourself. Men, pray for yourself. That as I've heard this word, I am a doer of this word. I correct my ways with the things I have done wrong, with how I have managed my home. I correct my ways today. And I walk in the word of God. Come and pray for yourself. The instruction is that we love our wife as Christ loved the church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. We hope your soul has been truly enriched. More video and audio teachings are available on our website, www.ChristRehobothChurch.com. Follow our social media pages and check us out on Facebook, Kingsley Agu Ministry, and on YouTube, Kingsley Agu Ministry.